And so it begins. The whole of his mind is apparently his personality. Wait, 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 wait. A rabbi and a boxer arrive <laughs> on a space station. <laughs> Broke off. Guys, I have a stalker. He's totally hitting on Kosh now. Totally sexual harassment. Basically, the Mount Valerie drama queen. He's gonna come out of his butt. I can't believe this martial law crack where I have been, damn it. Hey, <laughs> Jeff- Jeffrey Sinclair. My Whedon senses should have been tingling. And we know that IKEA survived. This torture session may be recorded for quality assurance. Yeah, well, Uh, hello again, everyone. Welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. Hi, man. I'm Heidi. I'm Amanda. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, As you heard, we are, yes, we are pleased to be joined by a first-time guest. It's Andy. Hey, Andy. Good to have hey, you. Andy, welcome. Yes. So it's been a while since we've had a new guest, and we should ask how did you come to be a babylon 5 fan how did you find out about the show oh um i think the first episode i remember seeing was a mind war on a really snowy black and white television um where i was holding the aerial about attaching it to a coat hanger and um i guess uh just walled on egg in a fuzzy screen uh, won me over. Oh, uh, okay. Esther. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. until about season yeah. three before I um, was watching it regularly. Okay. Well, at least it was better than not Byron. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He would have scared you away. <laughs> uh, kind of oh, remember he... if I had a black and white TV. First, when I, we were, they were talking about this on another podcast where, like, back in the day, uh, 13-inch TV was a big deal. That was, I think, maybe the first TV I ever owned myself. But nowadays, yeah. <laughs> Can't do anything on 13 inches. Mm. Not even laptops are 13 inches anymore. I know. <laughs> so, Andy, I heard you found out about us from some listeners of the podcast. Um. Oh, yeah, yeah, so I've been uh, on that other podcast, the uh, Babylon 5 Audio Guys, and I think they've mentioned you on occasion. Um, one of your frequent commenters, uh, Ninety Nine, who is yeah. just brilliant, isn't he? Um, I think he had mentioned a few times, and then I, I was looking about and found you, found word comment, and yeah. Oh well, glad, glad you found us because there's oddly an awful lot of Babylon Five rewatches going on at the moment. Yes. Yeah, few. I was. I usually am cautious about reading stuff on Reddit because people in there are mean. <laughs> but I did see where somebody mentioned that they were listening to us um, while they were rewatching Babylon Five. But they didn't say whether they liked us or not. Um, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Well, as with most things, if they didn't say that they didn't, that's probably a good sign. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, so today we are discussing two episodes since we didn't record last week. First of all, we're going to discuss episode seven of season five, Secrets of the Soul. But first, 
an ISN special report. Welcome back for another ISN special report. News has been slow coming out of Babylon 5. Dr. Franklin has been working with the new alliance and uh, compiling medical profiles on all of the different races to uh, document any new strains of bacteria or viruses in the different races. A uh, telepath was assaulted and things occurred. Byron was uh, angry and now he wants his own planet or some such thing. That is all from Babylon 5 and your ISN special report. Shane, I've done it! Again, Paul, then open the window. There's no need to announce it. No, not that. I've invented a machine that can erase our memory of Red Dwarf so we can watch it for the first time. Again. Really? Is it safe? Completely. Although you might also forget how to read, write, and do math. I'm a politician. I don't need any of that. Also, it would probably make your head explode. And ruin my hair? No. Let's just find a lovely American couple who have barely even heard of Red Dwarf to watch the show with us. That will be the next best thing to seeing it for the first time. Hi, I'm Angela. This is my husband, Heath. What are you doing in my house? Well, we're just your everyday American couple wandering about looking for someone who feels like watching a show we've barely even heard of with us. Maybe recording a podcast about it. Hmm, that's really convenient. And you can listen in on the fun with the Red Dwarf intro cast. Check us out on iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter. Secrets of the Soul originally aired March 4, 1998. Directed by Tony Dow, who's, I think he's the guy that played Wally on Leave It to Beaver, or Wally Cleaver, I can't remember. But yeah, he's directed before, and it was written by JMS. So I think the consensus is that um, most of us kind of hated this episode. Since we're doing uh, <laughs> two shows today, we're just going to kind of, dis- we're not going to go through like the full recap and everything with this episode, because I didn't even watch it again and it's been over a week since I watched it the first time I don't think I remember too much about it <laughs> so this okay. is uh, okay. so, so it's probably so, the other one that's uh, seen it the most recent then <laughs> yeah so uh, basically I can sum this up with justice I was wishing that the Franklin storyline would have been more prominent when i'm thinking can we please get back to franklin it's like wait a minute what world are we bumping this is really wrong (laughs) so it was so there was no sheridan or delin or lockley or clarence that is the worst crime and and it really isn't a good sign when the opening teaser ends with comedy vomit Oh boy. <laughs> I don't even remember it, so... <laughs> I, think, I think I saw a trivia thing when I was looking at quotes on IMDb that... Was it only three, three. of the yep. main cast or episode? Man. Which is oh, allegedly the... The, the smallest number of regular cast. I, I don't know if intersections in real time beats up, but... Yeah, they had a bunch of... Yeah, yeah, cast. it's only Lita, Franklin, and Zach. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, throw the weapon really good, though. Oh, yeah, do you not Franklin and Zach. Do you not count Byron as the real casting? 
No. He's a uh, guest star. My, yeah, he's a guest star. <laughs> Even, Even if they if put him was. in the credits, I would count. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this whole plot is just melodrama to melodrama. There's no substance to it, really. And it's... I mean... The Franklin storyline, which is the one that's is more interesting, and the whole Hyco thing seems so heavy-handed and just unlike JMS to do this. It sounds like it's a early Star Trek mm. Next Generation plot just shoved into Babylon 5. How tired was JMS? And, um, I don't know, but... Yeah, they Very. had this kind of before with, I think the Centauri had two oh, yeah, on their planet early on. Yeah, and the whole thing of a mistake made hundreds of years ago that's kind of linked to the death of the race currently, that was done so much better in season two with uh, the Markab. Yeah. Which one was that? Remind me. That's the one where the uh, Markaps were dying off because of a plague. And it used died. to be a holy plague. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't remember. Is that the one where they the one were on the station and, and Dylan went in with them? Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Okay, yeah. See what I mean? It was done before, but much better. Uh, this call recorder I'm using now asks like every few minutes if you want to keep recording. So annoying. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, wow. <laughs> Because uh, my trial period expired, and I don't want to pay for it. Yeah, uh, I mean... <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> do you think any of the three main characters that were in this episode uh, did any good? Because I think all three of them kind of uh, were subpar as well. They didn't come out of this well. Well, um, Lita kind of commented she kind of follows Baron about like she used to do with us. Um, Zach's a bit of a prick. And Franklin, it's not really his good side we're seeing, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, especially the whole conversation early on between Lita and Zach. It's, uh, uh, why is Ron? No, it's, yeah, because Zach's going about his point completely wrong. And Lita is under Byron's spell, so they can't communicate with one another here. And it's just a horrible scene to watch. Mm, there is yes. one scene where Lita is like going... Maybe it was after she had that conversation with Zach, but there's one scene where she's going to be with the other telepaths, and they're all touching her. and like, oh, hug touching. party. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's Lita. Lita's oh, hug party. Uh, Um, something I noticed in this episode that I hadn't noticed before Byron's part of the telepathic quarters is half the size of the quarters overall you've got all the telepaths um, apart from Byron in one half and Byron and his stuff in the other half (laughs) that sounds about right Byron's boudoir yeah ugh so they're all, uh, I can't remember, was there like any privacy when they were together? Are you uh, serious? There was a neck curse. <laughs> no. There was there a neck curse and, a curtain. You know, and their thoughts woke everyone else up to okay, be a part of it. I forgot about that. The curtain was sheer, okay? It was not a regular curtain. No. 
Um, oh, um, back in season one or season two when Talia said yes. uh, her line about when oh, Philip yeah. had to have Yeah, I was dreading this episode. Oh. I knew it was coming. Oh. Oh. The bad thing was is I oh, totally wanted to I really just wanted to fast forward through it. But I was afraid that like some vital information was going to come out <laughs> what's happening. Problem. That's the problem. There's is some minor important information here that yeah. the warlords created the telepath. Right, and that was important, but I didn't like how we got there. <laughs> you got mad when you found out about that, didn't you? Oh, he, he's such a hypocrite here. So, oh, we don't you do conflict. We don't. I don't want that to happen. I don't want um, my telepath to use telepathic violence against other people. Okay, um, I've just found out we were created by Vorlons, um, and the other races are here, so we'll blame them, and we'll attack them if they don't listen to us. Yeah. Uh, he's such a hypocrite. Which is the worst thing you could say after sex. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was new information or not, to be honest, because I I knew that the telepaths were, you know, helpful and against the, the shadows. And I wasn't sure if we already knew that information. So I really no, couldn't have skipped it. This is explicitly the first time we know, but it has it been, been hinted. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's what it was. Cool. Um, and I don't think it's actually anywhere in the rest of Babylon 5 or in Crusade at all. So, not exactly a spoiler, but little universe-building bit of information here. The Technomages were originally created by the Shadows, but they rebelled. Okay. Okay. The Technomages that we only see once... Yeah. Yep. So, the sh- so they didn't work out as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Scientists. yeah. The, sh- the shadows completely. Re- sorry, the technologies rebelled because it's the whole idea of tele- telepaths are um, an example of, of order. You know, if you can read minds, you can impose order on others. Whereas telepathy, that's it's you're playing with you know, forces of chaos there, so that that's meant to you know, they're meant to mirror one another. I'm just I'm really defeated that this is the size story we're getting. Yeah. I know you were so looking forward to it. I completely understand. Uh, I really do. Well, I quite I like this like... episode now. Eh? <laughs> since I since I studied it um and prepped for the show, um I always thought the Franklin story was a was a less interesting one um, okay. mm. I, I still pretty much do but I've been able to sort of consolidate the, the two stories um, are pretty much about immigration um, that's how it makes sense to me and it's, right. it's quite it's quite on the nose with the the Byron thing particularly in the opening scene with uh, with Zach where he's um, Byron's behaving like a Play school host and Peter's doing his telekinesis stuff. Um, oh yeah, Zach's really just a... being a bit of a 
again, Peter, that's a horror caricature. It's you've got these this teenager with the stutter who's nervous and but has this yeah. incredible ability that kind of rises him above his disability, and that's horrible. That's a horrible stereotype. And of course, oh. on his on his IMDb page, he's like a, a male model. Like he's yeah, he's, he's a pretty good looking okay. guy. Yeah, <laughs> take a look at this. <laughs> Although he, in a show ring, he does tend to show up on being mugged, awkward dates, beaten up. Oh, and he has lots of burns on another show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Actually, good. I don't disagree that. Franklin's storyline was less interesting because um, it was very uninteresting and the other story was just disgusting. So, disgust is kind of interest now. Yeah, I like suppose. A, <laughs> like um, I just found it predictable. I, I found it so predictable that I knew it was going the moment Peter showed up. He, you know, it, okay, I have seen the episode before, but it kind of had <laughs> exactly remembered what the storyline was. But as soon as Peter showed up, it's, oh, there's someone that he's going to get beaten up or killed. He looks like somebody who can get beat up or killed. <laughs> so oh, the dude. funniest part maybe was the Pacmara scene. Well, that I did with the comedy vomit. Yeah, which I do not. I'm typically not a fan of. It's called vomity, okay? Vomity, okay. I'm not as. Fan <laughs> I'm just of kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't think that's <laughs> a word. Oh dear. I'm not a Isn't fan I? of people um, in TV shows. It seemed like at one point, like every week on a TV show, I was seeing someone either like vomiting or. Or like getting peed on or something like that, and I hate that. What? <laughs> yeah, like, I'm like, hey, it's, it's, it's like HBO or Showtime shows. God, then it's probably even worse. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite scene in this whole episode is is right at the beginning. It's uh, when Zach has his little spot with Lita, and she gives it to him. She gives him all this stuff about how she's disenfranchised. She's invisible. Um, she's right. She has just been used by her heroes and sort of left behind. And Byron, you know... Took advantage of that. But he's the only option for her, really, that we can we can see. Um, as much as I hate him, as he's, you know, he's given it to her. He's given her something <laughs> she can use. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, but yeah, uh, Franklin, oh uh, sorry, um, Zach and that scene, really, I think he, he stopped behind his own prejudices and, of, you know, he dislikes Byron for his own reasons, but he can't actually communicate properly why Byron is actually objectively a problem. And Lita's right, he's jealous. And Lita gives him an end, she says, you know, let me... Let me scan your mind. Why don't you play by our rules, Zach? And it's his opening, and he, you know... Plus, Lita's just drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah, well, not, no, not drinking the Kool-Aid. She's getting her hair washed. Because, have you noticed what's been happening to her hair? 
they become it's turning into the exact same style everyone else has in the cult. Yeah. Slowly <laughs> as things go by. Yeah, I've been noticing it. I have some hair notes here. I have Lita oh. wears a schoolgirl cross with a fringe, uh, which reminds me of Laura Palmer. Yeah. And um, that everybody, all of Byron's druids, um, his whole goth party, all have quite long hair, um, except for Peter, who has short hair, but the beating that Peter gets is quite barbaric. Oh. Very funny. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the long hair thing for sure. Yeah, I'm not sure there's much else to discuss. Yeah, so are we ready to rate this episode? <laughs> uh, oh boy, I don't have a rating system per se. Um, we don't need a Well, we can do it without a system because I don't remember enough about it. Out of um, something uh, out of ten, vomiting Pachmaras go. <laughs> That's everybody's. Or system. telepaths making love. Please. Oh, gosh. No. <laughs> or have we already used That's that That's worse than vomiting. <laughs> um, Andy, do you have a score out of 10? Oh, God. No, no, not yet. Uh, oh, okay. we'll, we'll come go. to you later. I can go first. Yeah. Um, this was, uh, really bad. And, um, yeah, like I said before, when I am wanting more scenes with Franklin, it's extremely bad. So I'm going to give this one a 2 out of oh, 10. Ouch. Whatever rating system we just decided on. Yeah. I feel like she's being generous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where those two that. points are coming from. <laughs> um, so, like, I hated this when it was on Battlestar Galactica. Um, <laughs> And this plot line, and I didn't realize it was that Battlestar Galactica's plot line was so amazing um, compared to this. I just wanted to kill myself. So, um, <laughs> so awful. I I had such high hopes for the side plot line, and this is literally the worst thing that could ever have happened. So, um, it's getting to zero. This is the worst ap- episode of Babylon 5 ever in the history of ever. No, no, hey. no. Well, for me, it's just I don't hate it. There's, for me, there are worse episodes, but it's it's dull. I mean, even by the past episode standards, I think this is bad, so bad because it comes on the heels of other episodes that have also been really bad. It's been a slow downward spiral, and it's just, oh, this is. All predictable uh, and quite terrifying when coming to the telepath sack. So, three out of ten. Three. Yeah, I agree. It's just awful. And maybe the Puck Marais, the only redeeming moment, but he did vomit, which I don't like. So, I'll give it half a point out of ten. Sounds like you might be boosting this episode's ratings a bit, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, um, it takes this episode to be especially bad when the Byron plot is more interesting to me. So, um, I think there's a lot of stuff being said about, um, immigration and how we cope with social issues and how we ignore those in favor of individuals. Um, 
but um, I think I'm going to give this five black Kool-Aids or die out of ten. Oh, okay. That's actually lower than I was expecting, given your earlier comments. Okay. So I think I think it's just sitting so close to the episode when, when preparing for it. Sort of mm. Really does change your perspective on on it, doesn't it? Um, it really does. Um, I, I think I think the Franklin story. There's a lot actually going on. It's quite pertinent, but it it's very flabby. It's not very muscular, and um, it kind of needed to be because you've got the whole mirroring of the Centauri Zon thing and the Marp thing, and um, the way telepaths treat mundanes and vice versa. Um, there's a lot in that 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 could have been benefited by the Franklin story being a lot stronger, or die. Okay. okay, do we have a candidate for Human of the Week? Um, well, can I ask a question? Oh, sure. God. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Um, okay, so maybe we already talked about this, but I don't remember. So when JMS's notes were, like, thrown away by the maid because he's an idiot and he left him out in his hotel room, um, was this, like, <sighs> this culty thing with Lita and all this. Was this all part of his original plan? I'm a little unsure, but given the fact he's constantly said the telepath storyline in season five would have originally been a one of us, um, maybe. I think he, he had a plan for a telepath storyline. I don't know whether that was a, a plan for a cult. Well, I'm kind of glad she's dead because I would be so pissed if she did this. I would just, you know, this just makes me angry. Like on a plot level, that would have made me angry on a character level as well. Uh Uh-huh. Agreed. I think this would be much more interesting with Ivanova, actually. Oh, God. Because Ivanova would cut Byron's crap out. She would not stand for it. We know that. Oh, but now you're well, changing see, the, the story. Thing. I hope so. Yeah. But if it happened this way with Ivanova instead, I would be furious. Right. Yeah, well, you'd be rightly so. Um, but human as we I would actually go to put forward Franklin, actually, because he actually tries to do the right thing here. And he's actually good at what he's doing. I have he's, no issue with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm fine. He's doing his job, at least doing it well. <laughs> I'm fine with yes, Franklin. What about Alien of the Week? The Marker? Or Sorry, the Pacara. Pacara. Yeah. Mark Haverall did. Um, <laughs> um, okay. That's good. Um. Oh, do we have any quotes? I forgot that. <laughs> okay. It's doubtful. Yeah, um, okay. yeah, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Carl starts going on about some kind of tape trick when Byron punches him, which is kind uh, of interesting because it sort of it, it reinforces that he has this whole bigotry that is so upfront that it pushes aside reality. And, and this is how he uses this is how he justifies his attack on Byron to himself and uh, friends by 
suggest not some sort of telepath trick, unless it actually is. Yeah. Um, but no, it's kind of thin on quotes, isn't it? Yeah. We pay the price or die. <laughs> Was that us watching the episode or? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I am going to, um, what happened in this episode again? Um, <laughs> we're going to go to feedback lens. It's like I already forgotten the episode. <laughs> um, can't make a joke about <laughs> getting the feedback lens. Um, you know, we can get show. there telepathically. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, first of all, we have a comment from Vord99. Hi, Vord. Vord says, you know how back in season one, we really didn't need to hear talk Talia talk about telepaths, intimate relations. You know what else we didn't need? One of the things I have very much enjoyed about your podcast is you pointing out all the way that Franklin's professional ethics are terrible, despite that, despite the fact that JMS clearly thinks of Franklin as this highly moral, fiery idealist. The A plot in this episode is yet another episode that depends on Franklin being the voice of goodness in the world. And that's capitalized voice of goodness in the world. As a season one episode, it would have been pretty good. By this point, the typical B5 standalone moral lesson story, adequate, not spectacular. I have one nitpick. We've never seen the Hayek before this, and it would have been much more effective if this reveal had focused on the Brakiri or one of the other several established races in the Alliance. One true. of the things that's interesting, yes, yeah, true. One thing interesting about this episode, though, is that it uses the revelation of secrets to link this story that falls under the heading of feels more like the first season of a new show. The other story in which Byron discovers the role of the Vorlons in creating his people. The second story is based on tying up the loose ends of a long running story. As I've said, I find it that I like the telepath arc more than I used to. And I find Byron's turn at the end to be effective television. Mm. I think, however, <laughs> that it would have been better if JMS had made it less about the Vorlons and more about Sheridan's use of telepaths in the telepath in the Shadow War. And even more about his sacrifice of the telepaths on ice to win the Earth Civil War. You used us as if we weren't people to save yourself and now you owe us. It's a good bit more compelling than millions of years ago. Aliens mucked around with your DNA without your consent and now you owe us. Thanks, Ford. Thank you, Ford. Cheers. I don't know if y'all have this link, but uh, next is email from Lori and Carl. I do not have the link. Did you send it last week? Um, I'll just post it again. Oops. Okay, I've got Lori and Carl's. Okay. Hello, ambassadors, commanders, and unnamed visitor. (laughs) (laughs) Our <laughs> somewhat scattered reactions is fine Does he still have some lack of conditioning? Wait a second. Is this the right episode? Um she says it is Clarence, yay. We don't get any Garibaldi in this episode. Oh, this is strange relations, my bad. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, <laughs> this isn't right. There's no Clarence. But Yan's feedback says secret of the soul. Okay. Well, I, maybe they didn't send in feedback for this one. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, let's do Yan's feedback. Okay. This one comes from Yan. 
Hello, down belowers. Here is a bit of feedback for Babylon 5, Season 5, Episode 7, Secrets of the Soul. Zach is worried about the telepaths, and sure enough, there is trouble. Dr. Franklin has got a one that will go down. Two, who they knew for survival, were cut off in a genocide about 800 years ago. Ouch. Byron has his non-violence policy, and Lita does not understand. The question is, does Byron understand? The discovery that the Borlons created telepaths on many worlds is quite surprising. Or is it? They must have known that the shadow ships were vulnerable. Remember what Bester said in Ship of Tears? Weapons, components, and what did they find? Yes, telepaths. Oh, one second. Sorry. Can I interrupt really quick? Yeah. Um, I don't think it's surprising at all. Well, first of all, I didn't know that we knew this. But you know why that is? Because it seems so much like something the Borlons would do. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, they're not, I mean, they're completely morally questionable. They're on a higher plane of, of, of what they, they see themselves as. And then, you know, they're so much evolved that even if they're trying to like act kind of like the parents to other species, they're just, they just can't think of themselves as the same. And so they have no, moral question about involving themselves in the other worlds and shaping them and all that. So well, did they, they kind of created morality in a way, right? Cause they created religion. So is morality a product of religion or is it its own it's just, entity? It's like a whole it's philosophical. A, oh, entity, but yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's so true. I mean, it's just, yeah. So no, not surprising. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't think it was necessarily surprising. I just was kind of sitting there going, did we know this? Did we know this? Wait, no, what's going on? Because I really didn't want to be watching at that point. Picking <laughs> uh, <laughs> through your fingers. And your yeah, pretty your much. Yeah. Oh. Um, you're probably aware that Byron is not very popular with a lot of B5 fans. <laughs> wow, what? <laughs> <laughs> but I think that he is intentionally written by JMS not to be likable. Well, good job. Another remark, what Byron has created is essentially a cult. Yes, he is a cult leader, and those are not often very likable either. Mind you, JMS has personal experience with cults, so he does not like them very much. Trivia, Pat Tallman once told a little story about the Byron Lita scene. She was quite shy about making the scene and was promised that there would be a minimum crew only for the filming. Funny enough, the exec. Execs from Warner chose to arrive for a deck just on the day of that scene. Oops. Oh. Favorites. Human. Zach. Alien. The Pokemara and MedLab. <laughs> <laughs> Quotes. Can't forgive. It's not my place. Oh, this is Franklin. Sorry. I can speak for the dead. The only forgiveness can come from the Hayat Stu. Too bad they're all dead. That's all for now. Be careful, for you have entered the Wheel of Fire. Yan, the Babylon worker. Thanks, Yan. Thanks, Yan. Thank you. Thanks, Yan. Thanks for the feedback. I think we're going to move into the next episode now. Woo. Yes, please. Yeah. Uh, next, we're going to discuss episode eight of season five, Day of the Dead. But first, an ISN special report. This is ISN News. 
In an unusual move on Babylon 5, part of the station was temporarily sold to the Bikiri last night, as a result of which those within its bounds took part in the religious holiday of the Bikiri called Day of the Dead. There are stories emerging today of people having encounters with the dead. Most refused to speak of what happened, saying that it was deeply personal. But one individual, wishing to remain anonymous, told ISN of their visit by deceased fighter pilot Warren Keffer. Apparently there was a cross line somewhere and Keffer was supposed to have been sent as a warning to Byron, the leader of the telepath group, on the station. Instead, our anonymous tip had to endure over six hours of out-of-tune beep melodies from the former fighter jock. Up next, though, have Rebo and Tucci finally jumped the shark with their remake of Little Nicky? Film 2262 with Barry Norman and Claudia Winkman decides, along with a look at the rest of the new releases this month. Crisis for the Geek Kai. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Join the geek revolution and save the galaxy. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Want to know more? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Listen to Weeby Geeks podcast on iTunes and Stitcher or online at WeebyGeeks.net. Weeby Geeks, your voice for the Geek Revolution. Want to know more? So Day of the Dead was actually the 11th episode filmed. But they ended up moving it up because I think they're getting ready to go on hiatus and the NBA playoffs on TNT were going to mess up everything. <laughs> well, that's so, the reason so. they gave. Maybe it's also they realized, uh, okay, we've had a three of bad episodes. Let's move this episode up. Um, yeah, so I don't know if it's a continuity glitch or not, but they mentioned that, um, the Lurkers guy, how. Last episode, we saw them doing Jakar were heading off to Centauri Prime, but now they're back. But, you know, they could have gone and come back, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do that a lot. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> this show has not been very consistent with that. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, let's not forget, Lanier just showed up out of the blue, so... <laughs> He was on a break. I was thinking this was like around the time I had my spring break that year, so maybe he was on spring break. Well, when was it aired? You're about to tell us that. Oh, yeah, I was about to say that. <laughs> yeah, March 11, 1998. It was written, no, it was directed. See, I got this mixed up because I'm so used to say written by JMS. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, I actually wrote down that it was directed by the person who wrote it. Um, but you, we, I don't know if you saw it, but it was written by the one and only Neil Gaiman. Awesome. As soon yeah. as I saw that, I was like, oh, we are in for a treat. <laughs> Which is why we wanted you to do the commentary on this front, and sadly you didn't have the time. I know, we <laughs> had so many out. things going against us. But you know what, it's probably yeah. better, because I just don't know if it would have been... There's a lot of talking. Oh yes, there was a lot. Yeah, there was a lot of talking. And I can't pull up who directed it, but maybe it'll... Well, it was uh, Doug Leffler, who... Um, oh, Doug Leffler. It's his... He he's rel- was a relatively inexperienced director at this point. 
Um, uh, I think, yeah. Oh, oh no, no. He, 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 Babylon 5s. He had done some Hercules and American Gothic. He was actually better known as a writer, uh, or sorry, as a storyboard artist. And he had done a lot of things like the classic Transformers TV series and the movie, the G.I. Joe cartoon, oh. um, the Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. Yeah, he was oh. well grounded in. So, probably JMS from the um, cartoon community, because Jeff made his start in the Ghostbusters cartoon. Some of the real Ghostbusters. No, yeah, yeah. Ever- Every once in a while, I'll see JMS and Neil Gaiman talking to each other on Twitter, and I'm just like, oh, they're <laughs> buddies. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's get started with the recap. Well, can I talk to you guys about Neil Gaiman for a second? Oh, I've, yeah, only, sure, yeah. <laughs> I've only read a little bit of his stuff. Like, I think I read uh, something he came out with a few years ago, um, a, a book, and then I think I read one other thing. But what have you guys you know, read of his that you like, and um, maybe we can talk. American Gods I, is my favorite. I just finished it a few yeah. days ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well... Make it into a TV show. There's things I need to read, but I've seen Neverwhere, which was written by him. Neverwhere is good. So, you know, he wrote Neverwhere before this, so he had written for TV before. The graveyard Sandman book. comics. What did you say, Heidi? The Graveyard Book. I've heard, though. Oh, oh. Oh. American Gods, that's a book. Yes, okay. Sandman is a comic. Oh, yeah. uh, what's the one he wrote with Terry Pratchett? Uh, good Omens. Good Omens, that's really good. Yeah, it's an enjoyable read. I've, um, I've started I, on I, Caroline, the children's book. Yeah, I have that. I need to read it. I've seen it so far. I, I want, I want mm. to read Stardust because I've seen the film. Uh, I've seen the film, right. yeah. Oh, it's a lovely lightweight little volume of Fantasy worlds crossing borders, and yeah, I would recommend. Uh, you see, it was just a lovely, dominant, lovely idea. Stardust. Yeah, yeah. I got to meet him a couple years ago when uh, the Ocean at the End of the Lane came out. That's the one I read. Really nice. <laughs> I got to tell him how much I loved American Gods, which is pretty cool. Sweet. Did you mention Day of the Dead? You should have done. I didn't think of. I didn't think to mention that. I was like just gushing, and also it was. I don't know. I, I didn't think they mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, because it was it's, a it's, long wait and no air conditioning in the middle yeah, of summer. Yeah, of course. We were all yeah. <laughs> he seems like one of the thoroughly um, nicest writers I've ever seen. He is. That's what he's. Yeah. Um. So yes, yeah, so we start the episode with the arrival of Rebo and Zudi. The oh well, Christ. twice mentioned. Yeah, it, it's, it didn't that. <sighs> At least yeah. I'm not alone in this, then. Uh, I just don't find them funny at all. No, not at so, all. Oh, luckily, fans. I like Penn and Teller, but I don't like Rebo and Zooty. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work for me. I thought they were cute, but I like Penn and Teller, too, so... Maybe it's a cultural <laughs> thing of, you know, comedy that was around 200 years ago, they wouldn't find what we find funny. And so, you know... 200 yeah. and something years from now, they their humor has changed again, and we don't find it funny. Yeah, and but Gaiman's then there should be something. Script, he was very much going for that, that uh, that not everybody would find it funny, and he put in certain directions that would um, just just make the audience feel like Lockley did. 
just sort of looking at them and going, what the heck? All the, all the actors were trying to sell really hard that, you know, they were funny, but I'm just... Uh, yeah, we, uh, we were with Lockley on now. Uh, I felt like Lockley, have, but I felt like I wasn't supposed to be. Like, I felt like they were supposed to be funny, and uh, I just don't think... I really hate it when people try to make something funny that's not funny. You know, like, to say yeah. something's funny. <laughs> when yeah. I if there had been, like, more um, clues that this was a different type of humor, you know, a future humor that people find funny, then that would have been fine. But they're using contemporary <laughs> comedians with their sort of contemporary stick. Yeah, to do it. well, um, what's it pay and tell fans of the show? And they wanted to get on an episode. And I think even yeah. British fans are theirs. So I think he was trying to draw uh, parallels with the Three Stooges, that not everybody appreciates their humor. Right. Um, but like even Delenn, you know, found them hysterical. <laughs> Delenn was funnier than they are. That's troubling as well, though, isn't it? Uh, of the whole thing of these two comedian cultures. Um, humor and you know thinking they practiced I think it I'll, happens yeah. with uh, comedians studying other cultures like I, yeah. I bet it happens it's, it's an I interesting know. concept they're not quite sure they have cracked it as such because later they talk about jacking it all in um, and I, I don't know what come to that I don't know how new that was but uh, so the this part of the episode, I mean, I find it easy to prove on the director, well, and Neil Garrick's, you know, of the quality of his other works. It, it's it's hard to be critical in some ways of this part of the script. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a combination of things. I mean, the fact that he was a fan of them, you know, and they were a fan of though. So they were put in. Maybe it, maybe it should. Maybe it shouldn't have been with the recognizable, you know, comedians. Maybe it would have been better if they were just actors and they acted in a different type of humor. Um, I don't know. And maybe Neil Gaiman was at this point not comfortable with putting his own type of humor on screen and trusting other people to find it funny. Hmm. So the voice of Zooty's machine was Harlan Ellison, who also did the voice of that computer that gave Garibaldi <laughs> a hard time. Oh, must we? <laughs> <laughs> so we go to the Brickeri ambassador giving Londo a gift, a little candy scar. Uh, this is my other problem with the episode, that, okay, right, it's fine that an alien race has a religious... Um, called Day of the Dead. That okay? We've got a character on Earth that has coincidentally uh, the same name for a celebration. But the costume designer didn't have to use what they used in this. They didn't have to use overtly Mexican esque props. Oh, like the candy skulls and stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. I guess I never really. I mean. I just, I, there wasn't enough of it to really make me bother me about it. Um, I got it, but I didn't have a problem. It with it. Just, uh, I mean, it's not a major problem, but it's a 
Ah, just an extra little bit of effort here, and he could have avoided this altogether. They should have called it Night of the Dead, though. It doesn't really matter. Even if they are night crawling, it's still night. It's not a day. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> their, nights is, uh, their night is their day. No, nope. their know. day is their day, and their night is their <laughs> night. They just have to be during their night. Or is it yeah. morning? Oh, it makes it makes sense yeah. when you're on night shift. It's a lot. <laughs> Become a day sleep. So, yeah, Orlando <clears throat> thinks he would want to meet the first emperor if he could meet any dead person. So, yeah, it did get the opening credits. like come across as a little bit ominous, you know, like him giving him that thing. Like you thought, well, at least I thought, like, oh, I wonder what's gonna happen with this. Yeah. You know. It's the day of the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess he didn't need to have that thing. All he needed it was to have his quarters and Brokiri, you know, space or whatever. Brokiri. Just magic chalk, as someone on the Facebook group called it. Magic chalk. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it's a magic contract. <laughs> yeah. After the credits, Lanier goes to see Delin in her quarters. Just pops up. <laughs> yep. He didn't want to miss the Day of the Dead. We find out that it happens every 200 years. Uh, I, I, I <laughs> like here how... Because it, it's actually how someone who is jealous of someone they love's current um, yep. love is your partner. No, partner, yeah. yeah by That's some serious husband. shade right yeah. there. Your significant <laughs> other... <laughs> How's that guy you're seeing? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's... Like, Lanier lost, like, a little respect right there. He lost it already, but I was still really excited to see him. <laughs> <laughs> he's really happy that Rebo and Zudi are there. Yeah, he's Wait, still- why? Oh, yeah. God. This whole thing was annoying. I mean, uh, at least at this point, Delens doesn't really care, and she doesn't really understand it. Yeah, but why? Why were they talking about how you can't mention comets? It seems like it wasn't a bad thing. Um, I mean, it, oh, I it ties explain. into a um, line Garibaldi said, I think in season two or three, that he mentioned. You know, he pointed out a comet to Brickery, and that uh, how was he to know comet in Brickery culture was a symbol for death. So it's essentially a continuity line. Gaiman has, um, in Gaiman's original script, which went up on Humble Bundle a while back, there's a bit more about this. He explains that there's only one comet in the Brakiri system, and it signifies death. So in the day of the Night of the Dead, they draw a line to show Brakiri territory as a, a sort of a line against the, oh. the death. Okay. Oh, wow, it seems like they kind of embrace this now. It? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, um, so it's kind of, uh, um, what's it, uh, Garibaldi misinterpreted what the significance is. It's not a bad omen, it's a, it's an omen of respect and, um, reverence. Indeed, indeed. Um, so, um, yeah, there's some really interesting stuff in the in the original game and script where uh, I don't know if it makes a cut, but um, Jakar is confronting Lockley and she asks him if religious toleration is unwise. She bounces it back at him. 
Yeah, that was in the episode, yeah. I mean, that's after um, the the next thing where basically um, Sheridan, for some reason, gives the freedom of Babylon 5, whatever that means. Um, Yeah, it's the part where everybody's laughing and nothing's funny. (laughs) And we're all there with Lockley saying, yes, where can I get out of here? Like she was like the weirdo. Like she was the only like she was some kind of angry person that doesn't doesn't find humor funny. I mean, she was the only person on the whole station that find them hysterical. I'm that person sometimes. It, People are saying this show say, is the funniest thing ever, and I watch and go, okay, I don't get it. Uh, my, uh, my, 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 like, this is a moment to. Sorry, maybe they're the equivalent of um. Oh, I'm blanking on um, the actor S. Um, that you know, everyone thinks it's funny, pretends to be funny, but is it actually not funny? And people only are now kind of starting to say, no, he's not funny. He begins with an S actor. Um, oh, Adam Sandler. That's it. It's <laughs> a good example. <laughs> Oh, Sandler used, used to be, to be funny. funny. Yeah, wow. he was funny <laughs> in uh, whatever the wedding singer one. But you know, hasn't been funny for ten years, and people still are kind of pretending he's funny. Are they? I don't uh, think they are. <laughs> Nobody likes. I don't think they uh, are. Uh, well, I don't see why they still make films with it then. Well, he's just kind of washed up, but I I don't hear people like you know saying, "Oh my gosh, you got to see the latest Adam Sandler film." Mm-mm. Sorry, Adam Sandler. Clearly, he listens to our <laughs> show. So, uh, yeah. Uh, um, sorry, my fish were distracting me. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> What I was doing, something weird. Anyway, um, so yeah, so Jakar, yeah, the Bakiri want to buy a piece of Babylon 5, they'll give it back. Jakar tries to stop it, but Lockley cites the Declaration of Principles that Jakar himself wrote. I was so okay, annoyed this- with this oh, scene. Thank you. Because, because it was like, okay, Jakar, like, just spit it out. Why should she yes. do it? It's such a cliche thing that happened. Yeah, you know Neil Gaiman seems like he should be better than this. You know, this is a cliche. This is a total cliche. You can't get at what it is, and then everything just goes on because you can't say anything in detail. It's just so stupid. Um, and maybe he, he didn't. Makes me wonder if she, I was gonna say maybe he didn't really know exactly what. Maybe happened. he didn't, and that seems like that's the case in hindsight. But at the time, it's very annoying. Well, he is yeah. swinging these two characters around, but I mean, uh, we have Lockley sort of. Pulled up to the, uh, the the same perspective as the viewer who just doesn't get this humor, and then we to Carr who is now back to sort of season one chasing around pushing agendas. Perhaps it kind of looks a bit like he has a scheme on the go. So yeah, I thought it was like this thing that. Sorry. So I was just saying, it didn't really seem like that. But what what were you seeing? Well, to me, they were. Tr- it, it was like they were trying to make it seem ominous at the beginning, and mm-hmm. so like with the guy giving um, Lando the skull, you know, candy thing, and then with 
Jakar suddenly realizing something and going. It made it seem to the viewer like this was going to be some bad thing. And so you're like, you, you understand when Jakar goes to try to stop it. But then it's very frustrating when he doesn't say anything about right. it. And yeah. So and it's not that- just that... It's not just that Jakar just had a weird feeling and he didn't know anything. It's the show also making it seem ominous. The show the intentionally scene, made it seem, oh. o- seem ominous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the next scene, though, it's played for comedy. The fact that the brief station is on Bikiri, now it's on Babylon 5, now I'm on Bikiri, now I'm on Babylon 5. It's kind of what... Well, and it also, we didn't really know at that time that it really was, like, part of Bakuri's. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of a weird joke. In the, in the cup, exactly. it's again in script, um, the Bakuri ambassador describes it kind of a bit like transubstantiation. What's going on? And Lockley brings up the Jewish tradition of Erev, which is creating a boundary inside of which one is always inside one's home to allow freer treatment of South laws. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, it sounds like things were edited out uh, either for time or, or just for the network thinking, okay, right, this is getting overly complicated. Uh, it's still back in the time of let's make things as simple as possible for the new viewer who's jumping on in season five of a five season show. <laughs> like um, we're like eight episodes in, and there's still there's still dialogue where I think they're trying to explain things to new viewers. Some some of the stuff. You... Anyway, so Sheridan introduces Rebo and Zudi to Delin, and Delin thinks they are hilarious. <laughs> okay, that she made me laugh. <laughs> and her laugh <laughs> is just so touching to look at. There's a bit of trivia of um, someone telling a joke to um, Mirafalan, and that's actually Mirafalan laughing to laughing at a joke someone has just told her. Okay. Must have been a good one. <laughs> what was the joke? So, yeah, Sheridan finds out that Rebo has only heard him say one word without the machine. Why? So he actually, in real life, I think I've heard him talk before, like when he was out of character. Pretty sure I've heard him give interviews. Um, so Lockley's in her quarters and Rebo and Zudi are on every channel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what that's like. I think we all know what that sort of thing's like of... Okay, so big events being covered by every single channel. And that's one by regular TV, so damn it. <laughs> yeah. So, the sun goes down on Babylon 5. Well, I think the sun goes down on Bikir, which plunges that sector into um, emergency lighting or whatever. Yeah. And Lanier is in his quarters. Londo picks up the paper, and we see Clarence practicing his magic act. Or his he's his sure, well, hat, oh, hat, adorable. Hat, yeah, hat can trick, I yeah. stick up at your station here as a newbie, Clarence? How did Cox become Clarence? <laughs> um, we yeah, named we, him before he had a name. 
<laughs> yeah, like there are other oh, intro casts horrible. that have given names to characters that don't have names, and we continue that tradition. Yeah, so he 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 didn't have a name, so he's now Clarence. And when Clarence got a second name, now Clarence Corwin. Right, we Clarence, had wait. we had Clara as well, but uh, she ended up. Clearly, yeah, she, she, yeah, she got um, transferred off the station to Io. Yeah. Like everyone does. Um, after, yeah. Which <laughs> brings me to a regret from this episode. Yeah, no, um, yeah. Uh, but briefly, oh. briefly, we'll explain our Coda thing. We've we literally taken a different podcast joke about Coda than erased it as our own. Coda is still alive outside the station with her own um, gift shop. <laughs> if Jakar had stayed in Mercury space, oh. we could have had a Kodoth discussion. Uh, we could that have, have had been a Kodoth. That, that would be brilliant. Oh, how sad. <sighs> I didn't even been? think of that, Beth. Uh, <laughs> I did. I was thinking of that throughout the episode. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Kodaf is the teddy bear? What? Kodaf oh, <laughs> is Kodaf. Kodaf is first. first uh, Apache. Yeah. Before, yeah, she was only in one episode and then the top. Well, she was only in only one episode. <laughs> she really was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I swear she was in half a season. So memorable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, she was awesome, though. Um, yeah. Um, in the show, there's a line basically that unfortunate incident with your last assistant and an airlock. Yeah. But we don't believe yeah. it. No. Or she's out being in space somewhere. Yeah. Oh, Koda. Um, I feel like I've asked this question before, but do we know if uh, Joss Whedon was influenced by Babylon 5? I'm not sure. He, JMS JMS says that he was. He said that he knows Buffy and Lost and Battlestar Galactica were influenced. I guess he's talked to you know the showrunners. I know definitely and, one of those shows actually sent um, something to JMS for his opinion. Because as I uh, watched this episode and kept going. Oh, conversations with dead people did it so much better. I was thinking, oh, <laughs> this was probably like um, an influence for conversations with dead people. So. Maybe, maybe it was. Yeah, I think it's one of those sort of writers' tropes kind of stories that that sort of every writer wants to do, and you find them less and less on TV because of the effort of casting, bringing dead cars all in the same space of time. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about Gaiman is that he he does do tropes. He has a trope fetish, but rather than come at it from off tangent, he kind of does it perfectly, which is sort of the point. So I mean, we're about to come to the, the best bits of this episode, which are these two-handers, which kind of really do justice to each of the characters where you explore. Mm. Okay, so yeah, Clarence says that Jakar can sleep up there. I would like to see them both in like sleep. I mean, these two actually, they barely have any time on screen together, but whenever they're in a scene together, they work so well. And it's just, I want to see more of Jakar and Clarence, you know, together. 
I'm just glad we're getting more Clarence. Like, I feel like he really yep. needs his own subplot. Like, they're just, he's getting more and more links, and it's coming. The subplot. <laughs> it's coming in season six. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luckily's in her quarter. She can't call up CNC, but Lalo is talking, to, was he talking to a painting? Yeah, he's talking to a painting of the first ever emperor, but yeah, I don't know about you, but that first emperor looked an awful lot like Katarja. Yeah, and I noticed that. Well, he's having this conversation. Adira arrives. He says her full name, just I guess, just in case people who don't know who she is, they would know. <laughs> but um, it's great. He's, yeah, he's great getting Adira back. It's like, is this where he says, I killed the man who killed you? Mm. New viewers who didn't see the. <laughs> Haven't seen right. the past four seasons. You yeah. were poisoned. I saw you. <laughs> <laughs> and Garibaldi's sleeping, and all of a sudden, his old friend Dodger's in his shower. I know. I was like, who? Who is it going to be? Because Lisa's still alive, as far as we know. I know. That's what I was yeah. thinking. I was right. like, wait, what? Marie Mo. She's just fantastic to watch. Dodger. Uh, yeah, I think. I think maybe. Um, maybe Neil Gaiman just liked her, her when she was in the episode, but something tells me that um, JMS was so disappointed she, she he couldn't right away for her to stick around. So can he have Garibaldi meeting Dodger again? She knows that she's dead. Yeah, we found out that they know that they're dead. Yeah. Um... Luckily, she sees someone named Zoe that she was friends with 20 years ago. Yeah. Zoe was played by someone who was in a few episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> she was... Okay. Good work. Apparently, Zoe died from a drug overdose. Yeah. I mean, uh, throughout these things. Sorry? So, Zoe was a friend? Yeah. Yeah, a friend. Okay. I yeah. thought, like, it never said it, but I, like, thought it was her sister for some reason. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this story fleshes out Lockley's back history a bit. Yeah. And right now, she's always saying she doesn't remember if she OD'd on purpose. And Zoe wants to get high, but Lockley stopped doing that after Zoe died. And Zoe has to go pee. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's just a way of... Um, Making it seem like they have their own thoughts and feelings and and physical manifestations yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think JMS has said and... that that scene does more um, for Lockley than he might have done in ten episodes, and it, every single line in it is is crackling. I I think um... I have to take them from there for my quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, have you got any stuff around? She's still a junkie despite death. It's absolutely chilling. Mm. Well, I guess I get to the whole idea of what are these people, which I don't know if we want to go into or not, because in the end, it doesn't really matter. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I you said know, at the end. I don't really care yeah. what they are. And that's something Neil Gaiman's played with several times, that, you know, th- these things could have several different explanations, but in the end, it doesn't matter. It, all these people, well, we haven't gotten to all of them yet, but all of them had some kind of, you know, tragic or violent death. So. I think but those would be the every... people that you would want. I mean, those would be the people that you would most want yeah. to talk to, right? Because it was sudden or 
Mm-hmm. They you would know. be things left unsaid. And- yeah. With Zoe, it's a very real, very urban sort of tale. We can easily imagine Zoe being one of these people in, in Down Below. Um, oh, yeah. True. Uh, no, Tracy Scoggins does a pretty job this, really does. And uh, just Zoe's wonder at the fact they're in space and that their life must have been so different. Yeah. Zoe is... Uh, do we know where she grew up? Say again? I said, do we know where it was that she grew up? Where was this? I'm not sure, but it sounds like um, a city somewhere and, you know, not very nice part of the city at that. Yeah. A burned-out hotel. It's too much. I don't know if there's a a, a location. I may have missed. I think I'm. Oh, was it Lockley the one reading the paper earlier, where you could see the interstellar news headlines? Did we see about San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. I. Reclamation of San Diego wasteland gets right. underway. Yeah. They're <laughs> finally getting back into San Diego. <laughs> Lando Millar to become Centauri Emperor in Stellar Alliance talks to him, and there are three headlines about Rebo and Zudi. <laughs> <laughs> Babylon 5 will air Rebo and Zudi meet Marathon, Rebo do arrive, meet Rebo and Zudi up close and personal. Stop trying to make Rebo and Zudi happen. <laughs> Stop trying to make it a thing. <laughs> it's happening, Beth. It's happening. Uh, how do we look at uh, Bridget Flannery's um, IMDb? She plays Zoe, and... Um, She's really strange because, she, as you know, she's a fantastic actor, but she seems to have been cast in all these teen drama roles. And even as a as a grown woman, she ends up in these sort of goofy teen roles and studio comedies. And her agent really needs to get her on the hip parade because she's just uh, mind-blowing to watch here. Yeah. Uh, next we go to Delenn, Rebo and Zudi and Sheridan. They're about to eat when Clarence calls, say they're missing part of the station. <laughs> oh, Clarence. Yeah. <laughs> I get so happy when you I know. <laughs> because clearly he's done a load of hard work and it's, I've got to call Sheridan in on this. Yeah, he probably did everything he could think of before he called <laughs> It's very confusing, though. Like, what do you mean it's missing? It doesn't even make sense. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that, like, Sheridan's probably thinking, like, damn it, it's another, <laughs> like, this is another crisis, another weird crisis going on. And I've got guests. Yeah. <laughs> so Sheridan goes to see that purple field and he throws something at it and it gets thrown back at no, him. No, effect. It was. Oh, it would have been great if it hit him in the head. He was knocked out and that was it. That would have been great. <laughs> I'm just glad we didn't have to see uh, some of Sheridan's dead people. That's true. Well, although is. Um, later on, a certain individual says something that someone might actually be visited by a prior version of Sheridan because he technically did die. That's true. He could have met himself. Oh, no. Oh, God, that would have been an awful conversation. Uh, no, no, but there really <laughs> might be someone in that space suit is visited by Series 3, um, Sheridan. Oh, as long as we didn't have to see it, that's fine. We could have been visited by Sinclair, that would have been great. Oh, that would have so been good. We could have been visited by Sinclair, because Sinclair's dead. 
technically at this point. That's Sinclair as Valen. <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah. Please. I died a thousand years ago. I'm back. <laughs> um, so next we see Lanier. He's paid a visit by Mr. An different hair. Well. I know. I just <laughs> yeah, I love you yeah. hair. There's a dresser in the afterlife. In the afterlife, the, there is a different hairstyle that is popular, okay? And so, yeah. Mr. Morden is always with the times. I guess it's better than yeah. burned face Morden, but, you know, oh. Yeah. I was so happy to see him, though. Morden. I know. Uh, yeah. What's he up to here? I know there's... Is he on the hustle still? Is that why he keeps reading a newspaper? Yeah, as you see the what were the headlines on the back? How your credit rates? Uh, Narn consulate opens on Mars amid controversy, and Earth Senate votes more money for Titan terraforming. Mm. Oh. Well, actually, a non embassy on Mars makes complete sense for both societies. It, it, yeah, brilliant. That's a really interesting story. I'd love to see. <laughs> So yeah, so Morton says he's just trying to make people happy when he was alive, and <laughs> just, yeah, just just I, think was, I think he was being a bit sarcastic there. A swell guy. <laughs> <laughs> I like how Lanier just like you know, just... you know, bam into action, front forward somersault <laughs> yeah, to the pike. That he's badass, but not His training's been paying off. And Morton, Morton threw a few truth bombs at him too. That's yep. pretty good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's never I love you the same way. Yeah, I mean, later on, mm. he said something, and whether you believe it or not is questionable, but I, I yeah, look forward Lin- to finding out what you make of it. Because Lanier said something about that he knows that, and Morden was like, really, do you? Yeah, it's like, yeah, I know she doesn't love me, and he's like, "Oh well, yeah, you're off training, trying <laughs> to impress really? her." I mean, come on. Yeah, and every time you talk to her, you kind of shoot down Sheridan. Yeah. Who's that guy you're with yeah. for a while? I forgot. And <laughs> 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 where was Lanier? It kind of been his quarters, was it? It had like a weird things on the wall and like little shoots that went. Somewhere. Well, he's renting some quarters, I think. He's it's like he's renting, renting a, it. I don't know, a mortuary or something with <laughs> body shoots. Um, no, those were... He tries to leave. Those were bed pods. He, I think he get them in uh, Japan, but... Oh, I see. Yeah. So he should have been sharing it with multiple people. But because he's Delenn's friend, he can get away with having one on his own. Yeah, that's very inefficient. Yeah, that's right. Especially when the command staff might have to pay extra rent because they're out of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what happened when he tried to leave? Did he fall? Or yeah. or still push him back? Yeah. Well, did Morden manipulate him into going out, only to rescue uh, him again? Uh, the reaction I'm solution. I'm not sure because uh, that's that's too really is. What Linnea's doing at the moment, he's running away from his problem. And Morden, sir, he's a problem because of what he's saying. I'm running away from him. But he gets in trouble. Yeah. When he runs away. 
I know some people are like wonder why Morden goes to Lanier and Mondo, but no, no, it makes sense at the moment because yeah, the, the path Lanier's walking down is not a good one. And it's yeah, it's like what they needed at the time. Like Londo needed to see Adira, even though he wanted to talk to past emperors and stuff. Yeah. Look at this individual who tried to do the right thing and ended up being one of the worst people in the universe. He's <laughs> the worst. I mean, he's great. And everything, you know, yeah, um, Morden is a brilliant character, but yes, what he did really screwed over the universe a bit. Well, the galaxy a bit, didn't it? <laughs> Just a smidge. <laughs> Just a little bit. Made things a little hard for a few people. Um, so Sheridan's in CNC talking. To yeah, this is brilliant. I mean, and the way he's talking to him is exactly the way he would have treated him out of her. There's no difference. And Jakari's inexplicably still sleeping, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, he said not to wake up. Oh, just, just remember, he grew up in um, underground shelters and had to grow up... Um, True. During a resistance, so yeah, he probably could sleep anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, Lanier's still talking to Morton. Yeah, this is where he's saying that he's surprised Sheridan's not there. Hmm. And then he says he prophesizes that Lanier will betray the Unlashok. Lanier says, "No way, dude." Do you believe this? <laughs> no way, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, do you believe Morden? Yeah. Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have a hard time ever believing Morden. But, uh, it, I don't know. It seems like it could be true. Well, does he have any reason to lie? Does the show have any reason to tell us this if it's not going to happen? It's a question. Right. Yeah. You do not go to the dead for wisdom. But Morden said that, so we shouldn't trust him. So yes, uh, it's all but remember cycle. the other big prophecy we had in season three: if you go to Zahadum, you will die. Technically, that actually happened, but not in the way we were expecting. Mm. And also remember what Beer said once: Beer, uh, Beer said, "Yeah, a prophecy is a guess that come through." Mm. Uh, otherwise, it's a metaphor. If it's not um, Professor Trelawney, then I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Zoe wants to listen to some music while Lockley tries to call B5, but it's acting like it's you know, B5 is a long way away. What do you think about Lockley's password? Isn't that kind of... Uh, weird. Kind of, that was weird. <laughs> well, He's just thinking of the room temperature so drop dead. when she says that. Uh, yeah. eyes just fear. Oh, yeah. I think it's... Personally, I can do it as Lockley's trying to remind herself of that event constantly, and she needs this visit from Zoe to let it go, to finally let that part of her life go. They obviously don't have uh, don't have the security that we have at the university where I work, where you have to use an uppercase letter, a lowercase letter, a number, <laughs> a character. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's a good point. 
You have to change your password. Oh my gosh, she did. Um, mm-hmm. I, I hate that. I wonder if she changed her password after this night. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. Or whether it's a voice print and other stuff, because if you remember, um, Garibaldi's uh, password is peekaboo. peekaboo. <laughs> I'm sure it is. But, yeah. Changed my password to I was married to John Sheridan <laughs> for three months. <laughs> Social engineering so easy and on that see that one. seems a much um, more uh, much more protected password. You know, it's very long. And well, you could actually <laughs> condense it into um, just its initials and change one of them for a number. Yeah, yeah. So Garibaldi and Dodge talking about Lise Hampton when Lockley pops up on the screen and she can she can see yeah. oh I, I love this <laughs> oh, so annoying oh no I, I loved it because you've got one part you've got daughter jumping up giving the official yes. salute and then you've got um, Zoe in the background trying to poke in to see what's going on and <laughs> Lockley's like get out yeah. of there yeah and you can tell that Lockley isn't phased by Dodger saying she's dead because she knows what's going mm-hmm. on yeah. so cool um but yeah, this is like no privacy on this nope. station. <laughs> nope. You seem to get shutters for your, for your screen. Yeah. Yet, at the same time, you've you got no way your... of seeing who's at the door. Yeah, and you just say open. They always just say open, no matter what. And somebody's at the door. Can you patch me through to clean the clean? <laughs> I'll take the shower uh, cam, please. <laughs> Oh, that's why Clones has probably got one of his old quarters. Mm, the one, yeah, the one that Sheridan just... Oh, wait, I'm thinking about something else. I'm going to have to reverse. She just kind of showed up when Sheridan was in a weird position at the time. Um, so Lundo and Adira are talking when Lockley's broadcast comes on saying that things will return to normal soon. I like Lundo's yeah. reaction to Lockley. What do you say? That idiot woman... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like interrupting my good time. Um, uh, it's been a long time since we've seen this Londo, the happy, carefree Londo. Yeah, he's definitely become a troubled man. Garibaldi and Dodger are talking while Garibaldi <coughs> hacks into the comm system and sets well, up. Well, just has, Dodger just doesn't have any luck with Garibaldi. First time round, Garibaldi. Um, he's too preoccupied and kind of worried where her daughter just wants to have some happy time. And here she comes back from the dead and she still just wants to have some happy time. And again, Garibaldi's brushing yeah. her off. Like, I won't be here in three days. You should be happy. <laughs> Worry about me while I'm done. Uh, I'll be here uh, after, you know, sun comes up. So... Rebo and Zudi, they're impressed by how calm Delin is. <laughs> and they want to give up show business, but Sheridan says that comedy is important too. This was a weird and scene. Lockley calls. I don't know. What were they trying to say? I think yeah, they were trying to say that, you know, you can, you know, you can say things with comedy that you can't say anywhere else sometimes. It's a weird Babylon 5 thing to say. It's important. Yeah. Oh, no, it's... I guess you're maybe saying that entertainment is important, too. Like, media, mm-hmm. 
You can do things that you can't do anywhere else. Sort yeah, of, and also we. Oh, sorry. Just one second. I, I. It was also weird because we didn't see anything of their comedy that seemed important. <laughs> So, I mean, they just that, had to, like, that, say that, oh, we, we loved, you know, the stuff you did, da 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 but it was just all just sane. Yeah. It wasn't showing. I understand. Yeah, from what we've seen, all they did um, to parody Clark would be, I'm President Clark, zooty zoot. Yeah, it's pretty much the, mm. probably what happened. Yeah. This machine. Not quite yeah. Bill Hicks, is it? So, I don't know who that is. Oh, you don't know who Bill Hicks is. I know the uh, name. Bill Hicks would have died a few years before this was screened. And, and like George Carlin and Lenny Bruce before him, he was a comedian who was very interested in commenting on politics. Not always for the laughs, but... Um, and he was quite divisive for uh, getting the messages over and out. Like the comment that um, Sheridan or Delaney make, that they can, the comedians can say things through comedy that they couldn't do anywhere else and i absolutely agree with that idea i just thought it was odd to have it in this show yeah it came out of nowhere. the reborn zudi stylings that game no. and teller have established um it also touches on we have this current trend well even current back then of, of cartoon politics of trump of Helen Beform, of glenn beck Characters who would be quite funny if they were fictional, but because they're real, they're kind of monsters. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've never got um, Boris Johnson. Yeah. Of the same ilk. It's just, uh, yeah. Uh, I've been hearing that name a lot lately. I don't know much about him, but I've been hearing Boris Johnson mentioned a lot lately. Oh, look him up. You realize, yeah, he's too cartoonish to be. Um, but that, that's all he is. He, he really plays up on the stereotype you think he is, and underneath he's actually far more conniving and reasonably a politician than he appears to be. He's not the mayor of London anymore, right? He's our, no, he's foreign, is he our foreign secretary now? Yeah. At the moment, he is, yeah. yeah Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Um, although, uh, although I reckon he was made victory by Theresa May to kind of sabotage his career. Because mm, he wanted so, to be the Prime Minister, right? And no, he doesn't. Oh, want, I thought he wanted to be, or they were talking about him. He, he, he wants. I think he wants to be at some point, but not right now. He doesn't want to be the Prime Minister whilst Brexit is still a thing. He was because one of the and champions of it. So, yes, but whoever's a prime minister during the Brexit transition has the worst job because well, he was he was supported Brexit, but he, then he doesn't want to to deal with it. Yeah, yeah pretty essentially. Much. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, it's been your sort of political part of yeah. the show. Okay. This is uh, British politics. <laughs> um. Yeah, so the sun comes up, and one by one, our visitors start to leave. It's so nice, like... Morden says yeah, something. Sorry. Yeah. Morden says to think of him as an electromagnetic phenomenon who told him some truth. A truth and um. <laughs> Garibaldi. Yeah. How does it work? Garib- no. <laughs> truth and um. Truth and 
Garibaldi says, maybe one day we'll meet up in heaven. <laughs> That's uh, like the worst, like, uh, let down ever, you know. It's, uh-huh. a, it's a total terrible breakup line. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you just seem kind of uninterested in I'll her the whole time. Is this Dodger Code? Was it Emily? I, I think it might have been another Emily Dickinson quote because I don't, don't know. But they they bring her up um, several times. Oh yeah, yeah, and I thought it was hilarious that people could disbout Emily Dickinson, especially Garibaldi. Like he seems like a total Emily yeah. Dickinson fan. But the whole uh, <laughs> ability to sing those poems to uh, a What's It song is. Again, one of those game and things of this thing and thing go together, but you would never realize it. Zoe admits that she did overdose on purpose and have a yeah. cry before she Oh, comes. just before that, though, she mentions there's a message to give to Sheridan. Oh, no, that's a little bit... That's the next thing, yeah. Oh, she said that, um, Zoe tells... Oh, Zoe tells... Um, Lockley, uh, there's okay, a message, yeah. Um, so I reckon, yeah, if um, if Sheridan had been in the Bunkiri space, Kosh would have visited him. Kosh was probably pissed off that Sheridan wasn't there. <laughs> I need to yeah. talk to him. <laughs> Why is he here? Yeah, I need, I need to tell yes, you what, so... what you're doing wrong. The room was booked. <laughs> <laughs> Sheridan moved to Sheridan was in yeah, some other quarters maybe Delin's quarters are there and they yeah and they were going to be in Delin's yeah. quarters but maybe and Zuchi showed up yeah <laughs> oh and now so I'm imagining Rebo and Zuchi oh. being visited by Penn and Teller and them just laying into <laughs> them with a scathing assessment of their cupboard <laughs> They're reborn as Rebo and Zudi. <laughs> um, I started watching their Showtime show again. Bull- it's pretty good. I think it was like eight seasons from in season two. Eight seasons of Penn and Teller. Um. Uh, oh yeah. God, yeah. there's got to be other shows on. <laughs> it's a documentary. Really interesting. It's a documentary. Show, it so yeah, it's pretty good. Like <laughs> they did a show where they were um like. Proving that I guess we're overly concerned with germs or something, and they tested and showed that our faces are actually more dangerous than like our nether region. Oh, and they, I mean, <laughs> and, I, I don't, I haven't seen that, but yeah, I've, I've seen a um, few things that's there's a scientific theory going around at the moment that they're doing research on that, you know. Essentially, as children were meant to be allowed to get dirty, there's certain bacteria we need, and that's why there's an increase in, um, you know, things like asthma and other things. Yeah. You know, and even uh, C-section um, is bad because, uh, uh, you know. Okay. Hello. Yeah. Why is C-section bad? Why is C-section bad? Ian will come back. Um, so yeah, Lockley doesn't want to talk about what happened with Sheridan because it was really personal. 
They kind of speculate on what everybody was, but she has this message from some guy named Kosh. Really? She doesn't know anything about Kosh. <laughs> you think she'd know? I don't she know. was really ill-informed. I don't know, but maybe they didn't make all a lot of stuff. Well, they should know that Kosh served on the station, but, yeah. Hmm. But the message was, when the long night comes, return to the end of the beginning. I don't know. Where does it, what does it mean, Heidi? I don't know. I like the brick. <laughs> this is what is what is so the is end of the beginning? Is that Zahadum? Was that the end of the beginning? It was the beginning of the beginning. I feel like there needs to be time travel involved again in order to figure this out. <laughs> I'm well, welcome back in. Hey. Can you hear so why is C-section <laughs> bad oh, for it? <laughs> it was stupid because I could still hear you, and for some reason the microphone wasn't working anymore. Anyway, uh, yeah, apparently according to this theory and research that's been done, uh, a natural birth gives um, the baby a load of bacteria that are useful in helping the immune system. Well, way to make women feel worse about having oh, children um, demonize them for having c-section i'm just reporting the um <laughs> not you it's <laughs> clearly if if scientific researchers wanted to put the effort in they'd find a way of you know artificially passing along those bacteria even in c-section Sorry, I really so, think that the whole thing needs cutting out. <laughs> no, keep it in. <laughs> I love tangents. I'm putting a picture of a <laughs> picture collage. <laughs> um, so yeah, the end of the Okay, beginning. so last thing I heard you guys <laughs> say was you were about to comment on the message Kosh gave to Sheridan. Yes, I think it's not clear what that. Well, Sheridan's long night is kind of call back to the long night of Lando Malari, so we can sort of place it in that in in terms of his decisions about the war and the fact that Sheridan has a confidence on like somebody like Tony Blair or George Bush. Um, <laughs> so it, it seems to me to be more sort of a cosh we know has been through his own long night. Um, so it seems to be more sort of a, a just a sort of a um, see it through, blah, pebbles, blah, yes, blah, war, or gibberish, but a sort of a Buddha, Buddhist message for things past and arrive and come and go and up and down, high and low, keep on dancing, keep on dancing. <laughs> I think you've just uh, delivered the bit of script where Kosh was talking to Sheridan. <laughs> <laughs> The long night was when the White Walkers last came. <laughs> they were um, defeated by the children of the, the whatever they're called, children of the forest and the first I men, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and Kosh, yeah, he came. Um, so, <laughs> um, Jakar tells Lockley that she was right. He kind of wishes he had missed uh, out. Well, he does wish he had missed out. <laughs> no... Kodast. Oh, wait a second. What if um, Clarence had his own encounter? That'd be cool. Ivanova. Ivanova's not (laughs) dead. (laughs) 
that's right. Good enough. <laughs> well, she was dead, just like Sheridan. Yeah, or he yeah. could be—he he could be visited by Marcus. Eh, that would be weird. Marcus is frozen. Yeah, he's dead enough. So now Londo thinks Rebo and Zudi are hilarious and says he'll <sighs> watch them. Because remember earlier he said he didn't think they were funny. Yeah. He didn't get them. The um, yes, I do they, remember. Maybe they told him a joke in Centauri. <laughs> um, and yeah, now he finds them funny. No, Londo's humor seems pretty close to our humor. So, <laughs> um, so Zudi tells Sheridan something without the machine. It's... Because it tells me to. Whatever that means. Yeah, that's Whatever what it that means. Mr. DeMarco, but I think it might be a reference to, um, I think there was a catchphrase you were trying for it in this episode, which is with his machine or and his machine. And it's a reference yeah. to that. It's um, the machine talking or something. Yeah. I don't know. yeah, that didn't really land for me, though, because... Uh... Either. Can we just ro- roll back on uh, so, the sort of the explanations that um, uh, Lockley is going through? From is it is it Lockley for what is what has happened? Is it um, gas oh, or? Yes, he comes up with a couple of reasons, doesn't she? Maybe something was smuggled aboard the station. Maybe it was, or maybe it was something yeah. in the talk. And it's not actually talk. It's actually some sort of. Ooh, um, psilocybin chalk. No, I was actually thinking kind of, perhaps it's quantum entangled chalk, that kind oh, of... Oh, nice. You know, you, you know, it, it, if it's uh, placed in certain places, it, anything that's, you know, linked to that those bits of chalk is quantum entangled with another bit of chalk back on the Prakiri homeworld. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, obviously, it's it's all pointing at the game. Um, but I was wondering, there's one of the questions, Garibaldi is blaming everything on the telepaths, and it's kind of a, a good joke line, but is it possible? Well, it's, it's it's an interesting conspiracy to, to uh, think of. Byron I... wants to make a statement. We know they can form pictures in people's minds. Perhaps there's a precary telepath colony with a sort of a Brakiri Byron, a Brian oh. Curry. Oh, no. You <laughs> don't like oh. Byron Curry. <laughs> oh. Maybe Byron Curry is better than Byron. Yeah. Well, technically, it goes against my personal account, but it doesn't matter. Um, we could have had Lisa um, being visited by Talia, and Talia basically saying, what the hell are you doing with this Byron? <laughs> we, we, you can lead these people, but he can. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, it, I don't think there's any good explanation that covers all bases um, that I can think of. So, and also, I don't know. I, I kind of like the idea that it, we don't really need to know why. You know. Yeah, we don't need to know why at all. I think all of them are right more likely, and some others that aren't mentioned. And it's sort of an inversion of Parliament of Dreams in some way because that kind of brought the religious and supernatural fantasy to science fiction via ceremony. And this time, that sort of dominates. Um, 
but the, you know the chief quality is by gaming standards it's it's good writing it's good story and that's the important um or yeah or as um as what's in standard in or fantasy because a magician did it yeah because a wizard did it cool so <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Bill Blair was in this episode um, again, and there's a quote. Well, there's a question, I guess, they got about the message from Kosh, and JMS said that Neil didn't write it. He just asked me what it should be, and he gave him that idea because JMS had been trying to slip that line in for a uh, season, uh. trying to think of a way to get that line in to the show. All right, do we have any quotes? Oh, I have oh. a question. Who would you have if you were bringing back dead characters in this, and who would you pair them with? And I liked Morden being back, so that was cool. Hmm. I kind of would have liked seeing Morden with Veer, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where oh, yeah. is Veer? That would have been interesting. We could have uh, chat about capital punishment. <laughs> um, Talia would have been interesting, as yeah. Ian mentioned. Well, that would yeah, kind but... of settle what happened, wouldn't it? Cartagia, yeah. maybe. Fear and Cartagia. Oh, yeah, that actually is better. That's even oh, better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um... Okay, I actually have to, like go right now so uh, maybe we need to get your rating um okay i i really liked this one and it may be higher because the last ones have been so awful but i'm giving it an eight and a half out of ten um precursors to conversations with dead people <laughs> nice. um, favorite human favorite alien uh uh, I don't know. I'll go with whatever you guys liked, because I, I, yeah, I, I'll go with whatever, you, whatever Beth says. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Talk to you guys okay. next week. Uh, Bye. 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 So, what can we get Heidi to go along? Well, we were about <laughs> to go to quotes, weren't we? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let me look up quotes. How was your partner? <laughs> oh yeah, that was good. Um, uh, uh, okay. If no one else is going first, I'll do a longer quote. So, when you were emperor, it meant something. Secure the arm and the zagra. Now, anyone can be emperor. I can be emperor. Veer can be emperor. If Veer can emperor, a small earth cat can be emperor. Poor Veer. Hmm. Yeah. I am uh, interested. I was reading this trivia on IMDb. It says that Bruce Box. Oh, I just. Did you see? I think, I oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> well, I've, ahead. I'm now on the quotes page, sorry. so I would just be paraphrasing. Uh, so, yeah, so apparently Bruce Box Lightner had stated before this that he didn't like Gillette, the big guy. He said it at a convention, so then they got to. Wait, now I'm getting it wrong. Oh, yeah, he said that he didn't... Okay, I'll just read. Bruce Butler got to show what a professional he is in this episode thanks to the appearance of Pin Gillette. He has openly stated at convention appearances that he personally loves Gillette, saying at Armageddon, Melbourne in 2012, the big one, Gillette, 
I couldn't stand the SOB. I wonder why he hates him so much. Like, is it just, I don't know. Personalities class maybe, you know. Like, I guess he, he means, like, in person he doesn't like him versus, like, of of his comedy or of his his personality or something. Yeah, maybe just mm. didn't get along. Mm. Oh. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm looking on IMDb. It doesn't have a lot of quotes, but I do remember this one. And actually, I have a... Okay, so it's when they're, you know, all being entertained, um, quote-unquote, um, by... The comedians and then Sheridan says, oh, this is the moment you can tell your children about Captain. And Lockley says, I'll get on to having some right away. And <laughs> I mean, I kind of liked, OK, so this this episode. So when she when Zoe shows up at first, like just really briefly, I thought, oh, my God, it is, you know, is this a child? But then I was like, well, no, that wouldn't work age wise because she would have had to have died like very recently, you know, for her to be that age. Um I called and my mom to be the my dad turned yeah, up so I thought that would be, that was, I was actually kind of disappointed uh, when I first thought about it, it could be her daughter I was like oh no you know they're going to give her a whole kid story but I was wrong but I just like how she's oh, unapologetic okay. for not having children and hours, so far yeah. I mean, oh, oh, I have says to give it to Zoe that she doesn't um, yeah you know she doesn't seem like sad about it or anything so well Heidi and I are going to go with Morden so she speaks her too um, technically, technically now Morden isn't a human he's dead technically, technically be quiet let me have this he's a ghost he's <laughs> electromagnetic so no I'm saying you can you can't exactly go for alien this week we can't have a special category this week for undead of the week <laughs> undead of the week there you go okay Morden is our undead <laughs> of the week <laughs> And Lockley's our human. Who's alien? Well, I don't have one, but I would give a special shout out to the Bracarian Bastard because he he looks so um, happy to be there. <laughs> you can't write. He's able to show all these dead people. Oh no! The problem. I'm tempted to go with Jakar yet again, but I, I, I feel like I'm too many times. Every time, doesn't he? Ah. Oh. Londo or Adira, I'm fine with Jakar. Or Glenn, I guess, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. No, the thing is, though, no, I that think laugh, that laugh yeah. is pretty good, but... Yeah, I know, oh, it's difficult this week, because I really don't know, because Lando has some great moments, Jakar has brilliant moments, as always, and then Glenn, pretty good, and it's rarer and rarer that Glenn gets an episode. I know, that's why I'm like, well... Maybe when I don't actively hate her in this episode, so maybe it's probably the best he's going to do for me. I say Dylan. How about yeah. you? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was for a <laughs> dead week, so I remember why I have more there. <laughs> do you wish to continue recording? Yes. Um. So what about ratings? you want to start us out this episode? Oh, um, Andy? so I would give it um, eight Clarence hot rolls out of ten. Hey, we've conversed Yay, you. <laughs> Those were adorable. Uh, yeah. There he had that look on his face. Like, it's going to be a pretty quiet night. I just wanted to hug him. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> so how about I'm looking you? at Peter Jurisic's, um IMDb picture, and oh my God, it's I would never recognize him. Like, ever. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> He's still alive, right? Yeah. Okay. Right. 
Um, just one of the few male members of this cast that are, um, I really like this episode. Okay. It was brought down a bit by the fact, the fact that it wasn't funny comedy and, um, some of the misleading ominous stuff that was happening, um, at the beginning to make it seem like this was like going to be some kind of scary, bad thing that was going to happen. And I was so pleasantly surprised that there didn't end up being any in episode bad consequences of this and that they actually took something from it. And it wasn't like a big trick or, you know, some kind of evil thing. I mean, in episode, obviously, I don't know what happens later, but I, and I really, I just really like this episode. Um, so I'm going to give it 8.75. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, 8.75 Dane Cooks. Unfunny Dane Cooks. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Adam Sandler's. Uh, uh, I've never found exactly. that funny. Um, That's what I mean. I was trying to make sure it meant unfunny. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to go away for five minutes. Okay. I'll be back. Okay. Um, okay. For myself, this, I'm so happy we get to discuss episode and we get this episode here. Oh, we've had such a bad run of episodes. It's not just that we get a good episode again. It's that we get a Neil Gaiman written episode and we get a collection of two-handers just singing so well. Brilliant character development for Lockley as well. That's so great. Um, So I'm going to give it... Eight out of ten brief electromagnetic anomalies. Okay. Yeah, like everyone's saying, um, the 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 day of the dead storyline was really good. Not so much the stunt casting Penn and Teller storyline. Um, I did like oh yeah the Lockley scenes. I like the Londo scenes. Um, and nice to see Morton again with Lanier. Yeah, and then Clarence. I'll give it eight and a half out of ten um, skull mm. candies, which is the name of the brand of headphones <laughs> right now. Um, <laughs> um, can I share a... Uh, can I, sh- I made some notes and some pairings that I would like to have seen. Not that there was anything wrong with what sure. Nigel chose, but um, I, I uh, seem to... Oh, Londo... Um, for his war crimes, I would have had him forced to spend a night with Warren Keffer. Oh. Um, completely forgot him that he just, <laughs> he's only been <laughs> about a year. Um, so. I would have liked to have seen um, Franklin um, and Marcus team up for a, another body movie. Um, uh-huh. just yeah, where is and I seem to have got, I'm sorry, but I seem to have hung up on a scene about um, Kosh returning as like a spectral curtain um, in Jakar's quarters. Mm-hmm. Um, and flap, sort of a flapping Kosh, um, and he would nod, and Jakar would pock, and Kosh would be cryptic, and Jakar would ponder, and then Jakar would say yes, and Kosh is silent, and then says yes. And Jakar looks like he's going to speak, and Kosh waits, but Jakar says nothing. 
and Kosh waits and Jakar nods. Then Kosh says something very cryptic. <laughs> and Jakar agrees straight away, talks a lot about what Kosh has said with a resolution of great wisdom, and a cat has got Kosh's tongue. Oh, now, now that, that comedy scene, now I'm thinking Delenn and, um, and Sherrod, I mean, Sinclair as uh, Alan doing a PowerPoint presentation on. <laughs> you know, a thousand years ago. Yes, I was there a thousand years ago. <laughs> mm. um, sorry. Uh, uh, I think we're ready for um, feedback. So, yes. So let us go. I'm just going to take a quick break. <laughs> <laughs> And try to find feedback land. Okay, you guys go ahead and read it. I have to just listen for a, a minute or two. I have to move my car. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, I have somebody that just said they're on their way. Somebody's delivering in this chair, and they have to be able to park in my driveway. So I'm like, ah! I have an event that I'm hosting and like in couple hours so i'm getting lots of messages from people while we're talking oh i can't come or i'll be there blah, blah, well blah, let's blah. get to this feedback quickly okay. then <laughs> <laughs> um now we only have one for this episode and i just closed Wait, we had more for the last episode yeah i think yeah i think people just we, we need to put in a plea for more feedback oh yes These definitely people, what, yeah. I remember we had five pages of feedback and we were saying, well, this is so much. How can we get through it all? I know, it's like, like it, we're sort of, when, well, okay, um, sort of brain. Uh, so when I was edit the show, when we got finished with the recap, in my mind, it was always like, okay, I'm almost finished now, but it's kind of, you know, tedious at some time. So like, okay, almost done. But then it got to a point where, when we finished the recap, I would look and there's like 45 minutes of show left. And I'm like, wow, it must have like a lot of feedback. I'm grateful for all the feedback. Well, we didn't really have to like edit that very much. Did, did you have the feedback? Kind of just reading it? No, but I would just let it, I mean, I would let it play in the background, but eventually I did get to a point where I just kind of skipped over that part. It's like hoping there wasn't anything in there that. So even you know, if like but, while we were reading it, we're like, oh, we're, we'll let it this part out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just lock it in. <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> like I try to make notes of that when that stuff happens, but I, don't, I probably missed it a few times. Like I have notes right now of stuff that I need to go back and do, but I probably won't listen to the entire episode. You know, I think a part of it is um, like the season so far has been pretty slow to get good. You know, maybe there's a little bit of fatigue yeah. there. Like I feel like it, even like we are just kind of like you know, pretty obviously, like, annoyed at some on some level with what's happening in the season. So that probably doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> it was just kind of like, uh, this, mm. this episode. <laughs> well, the first half's the worst. That's almost- okay, that's good. Okay, so... You didn't say... That's funny you didn't say since the I, second half uh, is good. You just said the first half is the worst. <laughs> so... <laughs> There's a lot of fun with the second half. Phrasing. Um... <laughs> Voice says, since I think you will have Andy Luke there, hello to Andy. I've heard. With whom I 
<laughs> with whom I have exchanged words and comment threads for another Babylon 5 podcast. It's so that you have a comics writer and artist on. We're going to get to that later. <laughs> um, because one thing that's important about Day of the Dead is, at, is that at the time, Neil Gaiman wasn't yet Neil Gaiman. Nowadays, Neil Gaiman is a good deal more famous and more of a presence in geek and not just geek culture than JMS. At the time, he wasn't except for comics readers, or at any rate, a certain type of comics reader, like, or, um, me. <laughs> I was exactly the right age and disposition to obsess with Sandman when it came out. Sandman is, like, some on my list of stuff I want to read. Just heard yeah, it's beautiful. It. Um... Neil Gaiman likes certain things, and he does them again and again. He does them well, obviously. But pick up any Neil Gaiman story, and there's a decent chance that it will be about stories themselves, that will that it will show off magpie pieces of knowledge acquired through right reading, wide reading, that it will contain dark elements but wrap that dark stuff around a core of sentimental optimism. Especially the third of those applies to Day of the Dead. But notice how much Day of the Dead is a story about Babylon 5 as a story, too. The thing is, Gaiman is a very different writer from JMS. I'd say that he is more different than any of the writers who wrote non-JMS episodes in season 1 and 2. And this episode, of course, comes after any match of JMS-only episodes. So it's a radical shift in tone, theme, and even genre. This is not the same hardish science fiction that Babylon 5 usually in itself as, which is artful and appropriate because the story itself is about stepping outside normal reality. Thank you. Thanks, Ford. Oh, Dexter thanks you as well. (laughs) (laughs) Dexter, uh, so that is all the feedback for the episode. Folks, that's some mail at Down Below Podcast if you want to send us feedback or comment. Yes, please. Yes, definitely. We love your contributions. Uh, sadly, Beth, we've only got you for predictions. Yep. But, you know, I don't know. On the schedule next week, I was hoping it, uh, it said to do a bonus episode, but we could just go to the next. Well, we like still need predictions anyway. Well, like, get- for the next Babylon 5 episode, I think. Okay. Cause it's- so next week on the Schedule. I wanted to because I've never seen it. I wanted to read or uh, watch a movie based on a okay. Neil book. I I've never oh, seen I've that. seen. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I actually own it. Yeah, I've never. I own it. Yeah. It looks very good on Blu-ray. That's for sure. But the week after that is the next Babylon Five episode in the Kingdom of the Blind. Um, the one-eyed man is king. Oh, wow, because isn't, isn't that the same? <laughs> Good job. Oh, <laughs> that's that's what's going to happen. Uh, wait, wait, who has one eye? Um, Xander. So <laughs> crossover. Oh, spoiler oh. alert! Wait, hold on. So since the in um, the kingdom of the normals, Day of the dead, the size are kings. I don't know. Maybe the Ooh. the mundanes are like considered to be like basically blind. Um, compared to what the um, the size can see, um, so I'm going with. So it it becomes more about where we're going with this. I think is you know the whole showdown, right? Where the the idea of size being evolved and being of a higher species 
um, and and basically inherently better than humans or aliens without these abilities. So maybe, maybe this is heading towards that. Maybe it's that idea, or maybe not. Maybe there's a there's a race of one eyed people that are I don't know, um, or I, who knows? Who knows? Everybody seems blind on the show in some certain aspects, blind to, to you know, qualities about themselves, linear or whatever. Um, so it could be metaphorical, metaphoric. Um, but yeah, that's the best I could do. Um, God, and and the question is, when does Le- oh, this? Is, I gotta wait for Heidi because when we start talking about things that are coming later, it's always best to have Heidi around to talk to. Um, to like predict things. So I'm going to save that for next episode. Anything past this next episode. So this was like, really, this was the only episode that's not written by JMS. Right. Right. No, I mean like this season. Yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't, was it my highest rated episode of the season? (laughs) It probably was. I think Um, it was all of our highest rated episodes of the season. That's pretty sad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Take a week off, JMS. He probably did. He's probably writing other episodes. I know. Like at some point, your brain's got to be exhausted. You know, just trying to get through that. So. Um. So yeah. So Andy. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> thanks for coming aboard. Thanks for having me on. So where can we find you out oh, there on the internet? Well, I can be added up on Twitter at Andrew Luke. Uh, please do and have a chat with me. Um, and my website is andy-luke, l-u-k-e dot com. Um, and my, my new, my first novel is on the way. Um, ooh. So, ooh. yep, round of applause, brilliant, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so, you give a brief description of it. Yeah, okay. It's called, um, Axel Mary, uh, the U.S. election race. And it's about a, Conspiracy theorist shock jock who um has convinced the Illuminati New World Order are out to get him and basically drives his family up the wall with his his crazy notions and um he'll go to Burning and um uh, will maybe bullhorn the catering assistants because Burger King is endorsing the monarchy. Um so it's it's what I call a um a sitcom spiracy is, is what it's called. Okay. Um, <laughs> and we have familiar figures. It might resemble Donald Trump or Rupert Murdoch or Kay Burley. Um and it, it was actually uh we did a bit of drop the dead donkey style editing on it, so there was new material went in a couple of months ago to take account of current events. Okay, yeah. Um, Drop the Dead Day, you copied their um, whole end title sequence from, um, what's it, the last, uh, not the last word, that's podcast, uh, uh, copied their end title sequence from... um, Press Gang. Press Gang, that's it. You're a fan as well. Well, more now, I'm becoming a fan because I've been listening to the Last Word podcast. Aren't they great, those guys? Yeah, 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 they're brilliant. Okay, yeah. Oh, cool. That's, yeah, I wish I'd make a few more episodes a bit faster. But, uh, yeah, we, we recommend that. Um, 
So, yeah, that's out on September 5th, um, which will probably be about the time you publish, maybe. Um, a bundle and smash words. Um, um, oh, there's a poll running currently to win a few free print copies. Um, okay. You go to my Twitter account, you can find out. Well, we should get this episode out within this week then. <laughs> uh, that way then people can learn uh, that. Yeah. Excellent. Cool. Cool, Axel America. Resurrection <laughs> race. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, that is all we have for this week, folks. We'll be back next time with Corling. <laughs> Until then. Be seeing you. Goodbye. Uh, hey, stroke off. Hurrah. Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast. <laughs>